It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Faster my crazy day. My pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are locked on Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. Thank you for tuning in today. You can subscribe, iTunes, audioboom.com. A lot to get to today. If you missed yesterday's show, we discussed A.J. McCarron. You heard from Duke Tobin, the Bengals director of player personnel on potentially trading McCarron. And Adam Schefter weighed in, and, and something that affects McCarron's trade value. So go back and listen to that, plus why I think the Bengals need to move on from Adam Jones. But today is a draft day. The draft is 56 days away, and our good buddy Joe Goodberry is joining us to discuss all things draft. If you missed our first-round preview, we did that back on February 15th. It's a really good in-depth breakdown of what the Bengals could do in round one with the ninth pick. Today, Joe is here to discuss the mid-round, second and third round, some players that could be on the Bengals' radar. You can follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, a must-follow any time of the year, but definitely during draft season. Joe, I appreciate the time, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive in here. The Bengals have a bunch of needs, and we talked about some of them last month. Let's let's start with defensive end in just a, a few defensive ends, starting with Tech McKinley from UCLA. He's a guy that you think could be on the Bengals' radar. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of these guys we're going to talk about here are second-rounders, uh, and it's a deep defensive end class. A lot of these guys could sneak into the, to the latter half of the first round, I think maybe 20 to 32. But uh, because there's so many, one could potentially, or two or three of them, could potentially be there at 41 for the Bengals. And I think with the need at pass rusher, uh, it could end up be, being best player available and fitting a need. So it really lines up for them if they want to pass rusher at 41. Tack McKinley is a guy I think probably is a first-rounder, but he has a shoulder injury that's going to keep him out four to six months. It's very similar to Shaq Lawson last year of Clemson, and I'm going to the Bills uh, late first round. Uh, they said McKinley could end up for the first, you know, first half of the season on the pup list because of the shoulder injury. But at 6'2", 255, he has the athleticism. He has the, the speed on the edge. Uh, he's very versatile. He, he rushed standing up. He rushed foot with his hand down, left side and right side for UCLA. Um, I, he plays hard, plays tough. There's a lot of videos and a lot of plays of him chasing guys down from behind 30, 40 yards. Uh, I really like him as, as that weak side pass rusher the Bengals, I think, really need on the edge. And a lot of these guys are very similar to that, too. Charles Harris is another one from, from Missouri at 6'3", 255. Same thing, 
speed rusher. He's not good versus the run right now. But I think at the very least, he can rotate with Michael Johnson at right defensive end for the Bengals and really give you that speed edge rush that they need. And another guy that's just like them, too, is Carl Lawson from Auburn, 6'2", 255 again. Uh, I really want that speed edge guy. And Lawson's very similar to that. Uh, I think he kind of tailed off an expectation for what we, what a lot of people wanted from him at Auburn. I thought he could have potentially been a top 15 pick maybe had he continued to grow over his career. Uh, he kind of plateaued somewhere, but he's still a very good pass rusher, and I think he's good versus the run at the same time. And he's a guy who can play both sides and really rotate in uh, on early downs. Lawson and McKinley are similar in that. I think they're ready to play now. Charles Harris, more of a pass rusher. Not really good versus the run right now, but he may be the better speed edge rusher of the three. We're joined by Joe Goodberry. You could follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. How do these players compare? Because we, we talked about the first round in a, in a couple defensive linemen that they could take at, with the ninth pick. Did that last month. How do these guys compare skill-wise to them? Because I think a lot of people say, don't and we will talk about running backs and wide receivers, but don't go after a running back in round one because you can find running backs in any part of the draft. When it comes to defensive end, how deep is this class? Round one, round two, round three, et cetera. Very deep. Uh, and when you when you look at it, I think the guys we're looking at is probably a Solomon Thomas out of Stanford. Some people love him as a top ten, twelve pick. Some teams, and you, you hear GMs and, and coaches talk today at the combine. Uh, it makes it sound like he's a mid-first rounder. Maybe it's a, it would be a high-end pick, you know, at his high end if the Bengals took him at number nine. Uh, so maybe maybe we've overrated him just a bit. I think Derek Barnett from from Tennessee is a bit overrated. I, uh, he had a lot of production, a lot of sack numbers, but I don't think he's extremely athletic. Uh, I think he's a finesse pass rusher that really needs to get stronger and more technical. I personally like Taco Charlton more than Derek, Derek Barnett. I like Tech McKinley more than Derek Barnett. McKinley's got the injury, but I also like uh, Charles Harris more than Burnett. So I think the difference between a guy like Derek Barnett that could be the ninth pick, uh, he's probably more likely to go 15 to 25, I think. And the difference between a Demarcus Walker from Florida State or a Tim Williams from Alabama uh, isn't that big. I think those two guys probably go somewhere in the mid-second round. Uh, Demarcus Walker is a little bit different than these other guys we mentioned, but he could, because he's more of the Wallace Gilberry type, you're going to kick him inside a defensive tackle at 6'3", 275, and he destroyed guards con- consistently. If you watch him versus Michigan, uh, he's going to play a little bit of base defense then, kick him inside, and I think that's a position that really is needed for the Bengals right now. Unless you want to go into next year with Wallace Gilberry again or maybe rotating Will Clark into that spot, I think that's one of the easiest spots they can upgrade and find a a rookie starter, and I think Demarcus Walker fits that. The one guy I mentioned, Tim Williams out of Alabama, would be something completely different and outside of their mold. Uh, He's 6'4", but at 240, mostly playing linebacker for Alabama, but rushing from the edge. I'm not sure the Bengals can envision that. I, you know, I, I have a hard time thinking that, that that's their style or their fit because they don't like to rush their linebackers. But in today's NFL, with nickel being the primary defense, with, with offenses trying to spread you out, I think Tim Williams fits in any style. I don't think you have to have your defensive ends with their hand in the dirt anymore. Uh, you watch three four teams right now, and those defensive ends and nickel aren't putting their hands in the ground. Uh, you're watching Vaughn Miller. He's not putting his hand in the ground. Uh, you can rush. Standing up, and I think if the Bengals open their their box there, what they they expect at defensive end, uh, a guy in the second round, Tim Williams, should be the guy. He might be the best pass rusher 
of all these guys we're listing here are second-round picks, uh, but because of his size, because of his tweener label, and there's some questions about his production and his character, uh, why he didn't produce, produce more, why he didn't play more snaps for Alabama, uh, that, that probably are going to knock him down a little bit. But if he's there and if the Bengals can envision using a guy like that, I would welcome that. Joe, we'll get to, to wide receiver and running backs in a second. And note, this is important, the round round two for the Bengals. They have one second-round draft pick now, but who knows? Maybe if they trade A.J. McCarron, they can pick up another one. And a position I think a lot of fans realize the Bengals need to upgrade is the linebacker spot. We talked about Reuben Foster on our first draft preview podcast. Who are some other guys that coming around and pick 41 that could be on the Bengals' radar? Yeah, and I think there's a bit of a drop-off from Foster. And I think some people are kind of falling out of of love with Foster at number nine. Uh, maybe it's an injury. Maybe they're looking at him and saying uh, his production could have been better. But uh, if the Bengals decide to go into the second round, uh, and I think it would have to be linebacker first and second, because if you get to the third, fourth round, I think you directly compare them to Nick Vigil from last year and maybe even P.J. Dawson from the year before and say we have a couple third-rounders that we kind of like, and you know, I'm not really including Dawson in there because they did cut him, but then re- brought him back on the roster later in the year. But it seemed like they liked Nick Vigil. So if they want a linebacker and want a cover guy, I think it's probably in the second-round spot. And now that Cunningham from Vanderbilt might be a first-rounder. I could see him going to Dallas at like 28. Uh, he's a guy I really, really like, and he could end up being better in Foster. Uh, he's probably not as a, as athletic as Foster, not as powerful as Foster, but he fights through trash better. He he breaks blocks better. His vision is better. His pursuit to the ball carrier is just as good. Uh, and I think he survives in coverage for being a, a decently athletic guy, but not a guy that, that is overly athletic. Uh, he's played inside and outside for Vanderbilt, highly productive. If he's there at 41, for me, I think he could definitely be the best player available and fill a need. The other guy that has had injuries uh, and, and should be athletic and a good cover guy is Gerard Davis from Florida. A lot of people like him. Uh, I think he's going to be knocked down into the second round because of injuries. He had an ankle injury, I think, his last game, uh, the championship game. Uh, and if you watch that, the tape was really bad. But throw on some other games, and he makes plays in coverage often. His awareness is, is good. Uh, is is attention to detail. You can see by the way he's calling plays out and pointing guys out. I don't think he's the best versus the run because sometimes he's over-aggressive uh, and likes to shoot gaps before the, before they're ready. And so it would be an interesting mix with Vontez Perfect. Uh, but I think those two guys, if they're there at 41 and the Bengals wanted to take a linebacker, I'm cool with that at that pick. I think once you get later into the draft, it starts to be a gamble of are they taking this guy just for depth, are they taking this guy just for special teams, or are they drafting a linebacker for 2018 and 19? Joe, as far as, and you're well aware of what the Bengals need, what they need to do to improve, as far as depth goes, would you say linebacker is the, the least deep class out of all these positions? Yeah, I would say that. And I, I'm just uh, about halfway through the class, I would say. Uh, and it really drops off after Foster. I do like Cunningham. I do like Davis. There's a couple other guys that, that I can see being in that spot if they test really well. Because uh, I think testing is important for linebackers at the Combine. Uh, if you look at the, the numbers posted and the guys that are the best in the league, a lot of times they're, they're very, very good testers. Now, it's hard to say that as a Bengals fan because we've had poor testers at linebackers for, for a while, and they've been productive to an extent. Uh, so maybe the Bengals don't value that as much. But 
it, it will move the board a little bit, but I definitely think this isn't a great linebacker class. Uh, not like wide receiver, not like defensive end, and I, I think running back's going to be a great class. So most of the needs line up. I think the one that doesn't line up so much is linebacker. He's Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. You're listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast on Twitter, at Locked on Bengals. Joe, let's flip sides of the ball. Let's look at the offensive side, and let's start with my favorite, wide receivers. Now, we, we talked about two guys that could be on the Bengals' radar in the first round, Mike Williams from Clemson, Corey Davis from Western Michigan. Who are some guys that pick 41 comes around and they take someone else, they don't take a wide receiver, they look at a different position, who could the Bengals look at and address their issue for speed on the outside in round two? Yeah, and I think the meat for wide receiver this year, if you're not getting one of the top guys, uh, is going to be probably second, third, fourth round. I, I think there's a large group of guys that offer different things. I think most of them are slot guys in the second round. The guys like Cooper Cup and, and uh, Zay Jones, and there, there's a couple others that you're like, okay, they're only slot guys. So, so for the Bengals, it probably narrows down who can, who they can uh, pick at that spot. But for me, there's two guys that should be there around 41, depending on how they work out. Could be could be even further. Uh, Carlos Henderson and John Ross for me. Carlos Henderson from Louisiana Tech. John Ross from Washington. Yeah. I have them graded out right now, and they are right with Mike Williams as the number two, number three, number four. You throw them in a hat. I, I'll take either one of these guys as the next receiver, and they're. they're Schedule to go in the second round, mostly because John Ross has had injuries. He's got a lot. Uh, he's got a long list of a lot of injuries, mostly leg, mostly knee, microfracture, ACL, things like that. Uh, you read on his his rehab, his reports, and they're not current injuries. These are past injuries. But uh, he talks about they made him better. They, they, they he learned how to work out his body to really rehab to make his legs stronger, to make his knees stronger, and it made him even better. They say he's going to run a four three after all this. Uh, a lot of people say he's like a Deshaun Jackson, Odo Beckham mix. That sounds great to me. If he passes your medicals and he's there at 41, scroll across from A.J. Green, I think that's ideal for what we're looking for in a speed wide receiver with John Ross. Uh, he's got deep ball skills. He's good after the catch. He can help in the return game. Uh, I would love that pick. The other guy, very similar. Both these guys are 5'11", 190. they got to weigh in tomorrow, so we'll get exact measurements. Uh, but Carlos Henderson, again, a fast guy. Tremendous after the catch. About as good as you can be after the catch for a receiver coming into the draft. Uh, great in contested situations. If you follow Pro Football Focus and other advanced uh, analytics, he had the highest contested catch rate of all, all college football receivers. Uh, first down, uh, monster red zone. He for some for being only five eleven, he gets these jump balls and and he buys guys and boxes them out. And uh, he, I think he's an outside guy. If he can play a little slot, I think he can do some reverses with him. I think he can have him return also. So both these guys are going to offer speed. They're going to offer uh, ability after the catch. They're going to upgrade their athleticism. I think they can also do some gadget stuff where you can design some things for them. Both guys are scheduled to be there at, in, in the second round. Uh, whether they make it to 41, you know, nine picks in, we'll have to see. But if it happens, uh, I'm really excited for the 41st pick, mainly for these two guys. Joe, when you look at – in we didn't have this locked on Bengals podcast during last draft, but I talked to you routinely on ESPN 1530. And, and, and I, th- I think it's interesting because last year the Bengals had this need of uh, a deep, big play threat on the outside opposite A.J. Green. 
when you look back to that draft, there was Corey Coleman and Will Fuller and Josh Doxson. How do these guys, and we're talking about second-round talents versus first-round talents last year, how do these two compare to those guys? I would say they're similar to uh, Corey Coleman, but wow. maybe a little bit more refined. Really? Uh, okay. I had yeah, I had Daxon as a as the number one receiver last year, and I, I loved his his vertical game, his ball skills. Uh, every he was my number one last year. I didn't love Will Fuller, even though he was extremely fast and could get deep. Uh, and I, I like Corey Coleman as the second guy. Uh, but these, I think Ross runs better routes. I think. Coleman was limited because of the Baylor's offense, and you're going to see other guys this year coming out of Baylor. Katie Cannon is another one that's probably a third or fourth rounder. Uh, again, limited routes. They'd only run a few, and they only run half of the side of the offense. If the ball's going to the right side, the left side doesn't even run a play. The left side receiver won't even go out. So it's kind of odd watching Baylor, and I think that kind of knocked him down a little bit. But seeing Coleman with the, with the Browns, I thought he was fantastic. It was a shame he got hurt because I thought he really could have helped their offense. Uh, I think Carlos Henderson is probably very similar in terms of agility and after the catch. And I think John Ross is, is the deep threat part of Corey Coleman. Uh, I think both of them could be better than him or at least should have a better head start because uh, Coleman was winning uh, with his route running because he's an athletic freak and because he's so agile and so quick and acceleration is so good. But these guys also run good routes with having – Similar ability. I'm not sure they're exactly the same, but having similar ability and running good routes and having better hands, because Coleman struggled with drops also. Uh, the way they grade out, they're right there with Corey Coleman. What I've seen from John Ross, I, I think I, I lean him. I, I think he might be able to fit better than a, a Mike Williams. I know a lot of people listening, they, they've seen Mike Williams, they watch him perform in big games. But if you're telling me Mike Williams at nine, and we still have 56 days, Joe, in a combine and all that. Mike Williams at nine or, or a, a John Ross at 41, I think the answer is pretty clear. I'll take Ross at 41. The hard thing about that is because of the medicals, and we won't be privy to that information. Yeah. It'll be tough for us. It'll be based on each team and how comfortable they feel with it, with his injuries, with how he's going forward, if it's going to affect him long, for his longevity. Uh, so it's hard to say. But talent-wise, watching them on tape, I could consider taking Ross over Williams at – 15. So, uh, you know, for me to say 9 or, or 41, yeah, I, I, the value for Ross there really jumps out for me, and I would definitely make that decision. If you really like Mike Williams and like a big body guy on the outside that makes contested catches, that's good in the red zone, that can jump over corners and make wild catches, and who doesn't love that? A guy uh, we didn't talk about before, right? Who, who, guy we didn't talk about before, but Chad Hansen from Cal, uh, 63205. Put him on and watch him. And the value you're going to get at 9 for Mike Williams versus 41 for Chad Hansen, I think is very minimal. I think you can wait into round two and get a very similar player, uh, a guy that would build up speed that can get deep because of his ball skills, because of his size, because of the way he box guys out and, and attacks the ball at its highest point. Uh, I I can't get to the, to the point where I think Williams is a great value pick at 9, because I look in the second round, I look in the third round, maybe it's Josh Reynolds from Texas A&M, guy who's 6'4", 190, he reminds me of Chris Henry. Uh, I'd rather have that in the third than Mike Williams at nine. Mm-hmm. So uh, every time I come back to Williams, it's not so much that I dislike Williams. It's that I think this class is deep, and I don't think Williams is athletic enough, as is special enough to just create separation on his own, to be that guy on his own that makes him so much different from the next tier. 
Speaking of a deep class, running back is something the Bengals have pretty much came out today, confirmed that they're going to draft a running back at some point this year. Obviously, Giovanni Bernard still coming back from an ACL injury. Jeremy Hill looks done, but apparently they're sticking by him. Rex Burkhead's pending free agency. The Bengals have a lot of questions at running back. How deep, before we get into players that could be there in round two, how deep is this running backs class? Uh, I can see 20 guys getting drafted, maybe 25 being like key uh, players or rookies, five being impact undrafted guys. I'm only halfway through the class, and I've got four guys here that I'm not, they're not even first rounders because I think you've got, I've got four guys right now that I think are definite first rounders. Uh, yeah, not really counting Joe Mixon because I don't know where he's at uh, character wise, but for second, third, and even fourth rounders, I've got four guys here that I think are really good and could step in and be a nice piece to go along with Giovanni Bernard and really carve out a, a role early with the Bengals. And I'll start from my highest graded of, the, of these four. And I, I, this guy, Jamal Williams from BYU, uh, he had to take a year off of college for, they, they labeled it personal reasons, but apparently he violated some team rules. He had an injury also. I think it was, I think it was an ankle and a knee. Um, but at 6'1", 220, he came back this year after not playing for a year and a half, and he tore it up. And he's got power, but he also is, is great vision. He's very elusive, makes guys miss just as much as anybody you'll find in this draft. Uh, and he runs through tackles, especially arm tackles. And I think for, for Bengals fans and watching the past running backs and especially watching Jeremy Hill, having a guy that can create and, and, and create holes and, and create yardage after contact and run through arm tackles and keep his legs turning, I think that's big. And I think it's something we're definitely missing and something we want. And for me, Jamal Williams is that guy. And they say he can go in the fourth round where the Bengals have two picks. Uh, if he's there in the third, too, I'd be comfortable with that pick. Uh, I really like him, and he's a guy I'm targeting. Uh, next guy I have highest graded is Marlon Mack out of Southern Florida. He's six foot 200. He's more of a wild card running back. He, he he's, wants to create on his own all the time. He wants to run around the guy just to make a miss. Uh, you'll see him <laughs> hold the ball. Yeah, he's it, kind of funny. He's a very a creative runner. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's fun because there, there's like one run. I can't remember who it is against. He's splitting the defense up the middle, and you think the angle is, should be just go straight up the middle. And he kind of angles it towards the safety just to make a miss, I feel like. And he's holding the ball one-handed away from his body as the safety guides at him, and he's switching the ball to the other hand, a stiff arm the other guy. And it's like this just looks like everything you're – not taught as a running back, but then he's super effective. He's really effective with it. He reminds me of David Johnson, to be honest. And David Johnson coming out of uh, out of Iowa, Eastern Iowa, when he was coming out small school, and you could see his receiving ability. You could see his top end speed. You could see he had good size. Marlon Mack is a little bit smaller than David Johnson, but he gives me all the same feelings of a guy that you can uh, you can use in a lot of different ways. And at the same time, he's going to be fun and should be a better NFL player. Uh, the next two guys, I think, some are, are going to be household names, could go in the second round. I think Samaje Pirine maybe ends up in the third or fourth round because I don't expect him to run so fast. But Pirine was the, was the starter at Oklahoma before Joe Mixon got there. And then when Mixon had issues, Pirine got the job back again. And then he kind of split time with Mixon. But at, he's 5'10", 233. He looks like Maurice Jones-Drew. And because he's got this squatty build, he's got tree trunks for legs, uh, he has great balance. He, he's gonna, guys are going to bounce off him. He's going to create yardage. He's going to be a great goal line back. And for a guy his size, 
Oklahoma ran out of the shotgun most of the time. And for us, we know that's an issue with Jeremy Hill. He struggles to run the same offense as the rest of the team. Samadre Pirine would be that power back to pair with Giovanni Bernard. Uh, he's a good pass blocker. I don't think they use him enough receiving, but a, a powerful runner out of a shotgun, and he follows his blocks. He creates yardage. I really like him. He falls forward all the time. Samadre Pirine, if he's there in the third or fourth round, I think the Bengals are getting value. That's why I love this. They need a running back in this draft because I think the value is going to be in the third and fourth round with these guys. Another guy, he may end up in the second round, because everyone's expecting him to test well, is Alvin Kamara out of Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I think he started at I think he started at Alabama, had to transfer, uh, and then uh, still split time the last two years at Tennessee. But they say he's going to test really well, run really fast. He's 5'10", 215, got a good build. I didn't know he was that fast watching him. So for me, it's kind of odd because I'm like, this guy's breaking tackles. This guy's making people miss. He's a good third down back. I thought he was good in pass protection. Showed really good hands. Uh, Good goal line back, and I'm like, okay, he's got decent athleticism and speed. But then I, I saw some numbers of what he's been working out at, and I go, oh, maybe he's maybe he's really athletic, maybe he's really fast. And if that's the case, uh, he can go in the second round. And, and watching him, his tape is impressive. He makes guys miss. And for me, that's something I definitely wanted when I'm looking at these guys. I've got a ways to go still, probably another 10 or so running backs to watch. I'm sure I'll get a few favorites. Uh, but for me, making guys miss and being able to run out of the shotgun were big things, and I think all of these guys filled that role. Joe, I can't let you go without asking. What We've talked about value and how deep a class is, and I can't remember if we've talked about him, if we talked about him last month or not when we did our first-round preview. I don't think we did because it's pretty clear he's not getting drafted in the first round, but Oklahoma running back Joe Mixon, everything I'm hearing about this kid on the field is that he's just a stud. I know you've watched him. When you watch him turn on that film, how does he stack up to all of the running backs in this class? Let's include the first-rounders, Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, uh, we're just talking about film here and what he shows talent-wise. Yeah, just uh, football, just out. football. <laughs> right, just football. He graded out as my number one running back, and he graded out as somebody you would say, I want him at number nine for the Bengals. Uh, he looks like Le'Veon Bell because of the way he makes guys miss. He runs routes like a receiver. His hands are great. Uh, he His vision is fantastic. He has top-end speed. He's got agility and acceleration. He's got good build and a good size. He is a complete package at running back. He is everything you would want. Uh, I don't think he'd be there for number nine if we're just talking on the field and, and talent-wise. I think he'd be one of those guys, a top-five team, maybe the Jaguars or something would say, we got to have this guy. I think he's that special on the field. Obviously, he's had issues, and obviously there is, there's a lot of things that teams are going to have to dig through and figure out what kind of guy he is. I mean, I felt physically ill watching because he was so good, so good, but his opportunity he may have wasted or severely damaged it, definitely. That's definitely the uh, true. Uh, I really felt sick watching because I'm like, this guy – I would be sitting here, and James, we'd be talking about Joe Mixon and so drafted because I would want him at nine. He is so good on the field. Somebody will take a chance. He will get drafted. I'm sure of it because he's that good. I don't know if it's the second. I don't know if that's the third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, but at some point, someone's going to pull the trigger, and it's going to be up to everyone to decide if, if he's if he's for them, if he's for their team. Even as a fan, you know, it's, it's, people are split on you know giving guys – extra chances or, or rooting for a player that's made a, a such a bad mistake. Uh, but, you know, it, so it's going to be personal for everyone. But on the field, tape, talent, 
he's very good. He's very good, and that means, and I know a bunch of GMs and, and player personnel guys were asked at the Combine about him, not him maybe specifically, but character guys not getting invited, and it sounded like plenty of them said, hey, we want to evaluate them, that's what the Combine's for, so... It, it it sounds like there's there's plenty of pl- plenty of teams that have Mixon on their board still. Yeah, then I'm sure they're interested, and I think uh, I think it was the Bills coach I was talking today, and I heard him say, you know, shame you don't get these guys there because that's like you said, it's what it's for. It's for medical checks, it's for psyche valves, it's for meeting a guy for the first time. If you know if he wasn't at the Senior Bowl or if you didn't have a scout there to to meet him firsthand. Uh, you don't know these guys. A lot of times these coaches are meeting these players for the first time. You see them on tape, but there's so much more than that. There's so much more that goes into a player being uh, a productive NFL guy, and this is what it's for. I I think it was kind of odd to leave a lot of these guys out because of character questions. I'm not sure if the NFL is trying to hide them and make them harder to draft for NFL teams uh, because, as you've seen, NFL teams really haven't cared. They're going to take these guys because they want to win. He's Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter. Go do it right now if you haven't yet on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, as always, man, I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me, James. That's Joe Goodberry. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. Great stuff from him, as always. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. We'll do this a lot between now and 56 days from now, the NFL draft. If you missed our round one preview, go back Listen to that, and then we'll reevaluate things because after the combine this weekend, there'll be some reports, there'll be some rumblings down at Paul Brown Stadium, and we'll start to get a picture of who the Bengals like. I'll talk to Joe, other draft analysts as well. This is a great time to subscribe, iTunes, audioboom.com. You're going to hear from the, the Bengals GM like you did yesterday and Duke Tobin. He's not the GM, the director of player personnel. He's their GM pretty much. You're going to hear from him. You get different audio, different sound clips, and guys like Joe that come on, give great insight on the draft. So subscribe, iTunes, audioboom.com. I appreciate all the likes on Facebook, sharing it on Twitter and other social media. And until next time, when I'm sure we will talk about, there's a rumor today that Brandon Cooks could be available via trade. Maybe I'll talk about that tomorrow if that continues to be. I think today was a draft day. I've been teasing it all week. Exciting, exciting time. This Bengals offseason, the free agency, it's a week away. Will the Bengals make a move between now and then? Who knows? As far as signing their own, I will keep you posted on Twitter at James Erpine, at Locked on Bengals. Guys, appreciate you tuning in. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020 and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.